back into the great Scott show on a Friday morning. Time for our Pro Nola segment. As our friend Gus Cattengill from New Orleans, the sports hangover, ESPN 100.3, joins us as he does on Fridays. And uh, Gus, when we when we chatted last week, we said, hopefully next time we talk, we'll be talking about a Saints playoff matchup. It wasn't meant to be. Um, I can't say I'm surprised because, you know, when we t- I, I thought it might happen, right? I thought there was a good shot. But when we talked last week, whether it be on this show or on your show, I said, I really don't have many doubts about the Saints beating the Falcons. I just have worries about the Niners and the Rams because Kyle Shanahan, you know, he owns Sean McVay. I mean, the Niners beat the Rams almost every time. And when the Rams jumped out to that big lead, you're thinking, here we go. Saints are going to roll in, you know, a nice, nice, strong finish to the season. Maybe they could upset someone. Maybe they couldn't just to get there would be awesome. And then, of course, uh, the Rams promptly blew it. But um, what's the reaction been like this week from from Saints fans about the season that was and the fact that they weren't able to continue it into the postseason? Uh, I keep using the word remarkable. <laughs> With because um, it's not just I, I think the fans like I sort of feel that same way too and I, I think what's incredible is you know you you juxtapose what the rest of the NFL goes through and certain cities and teams and fan bases and where they are and when you put this into context like this by saying you don't know who your quarterback is going to be this team doesn't know what is going to be that receiving group position, the offensive line's a question mark. Um, Decisions have to be made not only on it, but perhaps replace or even add depth to it. And yet, this team is one that has a ton of, you know, um, hope and and promise. And, And it's nuts when you think about the amount of people that believe the Saints are not only close, but, you know, like I, I was asking, like, what's the word on Monday and how you feeling? You know, I wasn't angry. I wasn't bitter. I wasn't upset. I, I was just bummed. I, I thought bummed was, was the right word. You know, I wouldn't even say disappointed. You know, it, it's, it's just bummed because the team went out there, won, you beat the Dirty Birds, so you feel good about that. You uh, probably saw the best game. Taysom Hill looked at quarterback before he got injured. Then he gets injured. And then, in typical Saints fashion, they just plug in another quarterback, and he actually looked good. I mean, it's like, you know, it's like you're watching this game and you're watching this team. And, I mean, you wouldn't have had Taysom Hill the following week against the Rams. And, you don't know what you could have done in the playoffs, but it almost got to the point where you're just kind of see just to see because you were just kind of surprised, man, by the way this team sort of played. But I think what's incredible is when you legitimately don't know the answer to a couple of very big and important questions, yet I would say, Scott, the fan base and all of the phone calls we got Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, was all not only positive, but convinced, you know, that the Saints are right there. The job that Sean Payton did, the the way the defense sort of played, quite honestly, probably happy that Dennis Allen per Mike Flory earlier in the week didn't even get in a sniff by anywhere else. So you're bringing back the defense. So, Scott, like, again, it's crazy. You don't know where the quarterback is for sure. But, you know, getting phone calls about, well, we'll just run it back with Jameis. Well, we'll go after Russ, but you know what? Maybe we keep our draft picks and run it back with Jameis. Like, not, not only do fans have confidence next year, but they have plans, Scott. You know what I'm saying? It's not like this blind hope and, you know, promise of, of a better tomorrow. They legitimately can probably call your show, give you three reasons why they believe the Saints will win the division next year, you know? And, and I, I, I can see it. Like, it's not a, all right, like Carver says, can we fly? We have to really concoct a way on how to do it. It's more like, well, can I run to the end of the driveway? 
Sure. And this is how you do it. I, I legitimately think the Saints aren't that far. Gus Kangel, our guest. It, um, you know, we, we talked about this on your show. Look, I, I want to look back this season just a little and then, and then kind of look to the future and then we'll get into some other stuff. Um, you ask me offensive and defensive MVP. Now, you know, I, I thought mine were the correct, but why wouldn't I? I don't, I'm not going to think that I'm saying something that's wrong. It's all opinion-based. But for me, I think, I think the, the defensive MVP, I think really maybe the team MVP this year was Demario Davis. Um, mm-hmm. He, I think unquestionably, you know, one of, the, one of the top leaders, maybe the top leader on the team. Um, and he plays great and he's consistent. And I know that statistically it wasn't his best year, but you look at, I mean, consistency the, the key word, right? This past season, because of the injuries, because of Corona, because of, you know, COVID rather, because of whatever you want to say, all the changes to quarterback, like it was anything but consistent. So when you got consistency from anywhere, that was huge. And he missed one game because of, you know, a positive COVID test. But outside of that, he was just. He was remarkable, man, and um, he's one of those guys that's playing his best football in his 30s. He was the defensive MVP for me, and offensively, it's really hard for me to find one. I just win Alvin Kamara even though he missed, you know, uh, a a chunk of the season because, you know, he still put up huge numbers. He's still in the Pro Bowl. I think he deserves to be there. Um, With Michael Thomas being out with everything else, you know, he's one of those guys that – he can make it happen on any play, and for an offense that was having its worst season statistically in many years, certainly in the in the 21st century, it's been a long time since you saw an offense like that with the Saints. Uh, to have that kind of ability in, in a single player, um, I don't know. I, it was harder for me to find one on offense, but uh, I, I I didn't think it was hard to pick Davis. So where, where were your where were your MVPs? And then special teams. I mean Blake Gilligan. I mean come on, the punter was terrific. JT Gray was great too. But uh, what about what, what were your team MVPs this year when you look back on the 17-game season? You know, it's interesting just because you just mentioned them last. Jordan, my intern, actually said you can make the case for Gilligan to be the offensive MVP because yeah. so many times the offense didn't even get first downs yet changed the field position by the way he punted. I want to say he single-handedly won, I think, helped win a game. That Washington <laughs> game That Washington game was one that That's they put it. in the punting Hall of Fame. I mean, it was, it was the single yeah. greatest no, performance. And you look, at, you look at a guy like Thomas Morstead, who was the, I mean, he was the special teams player of the month last month. Like, he, yeah. he still has it, right? And, yeah. and yet the Saints made that decision, and I think that tells you how good Gilligan is. Uh, and I know Thomas is glad, you know, to, to be back in New Orleans where he lives and and stuff now that the season's over. But I, I just – the fact that they moved on from Morstead, I get some of it was financial, I get it. But if Gilligan wasn't good, they wouldn't have, quote, redshirted him for a year with the injury, right? They wouldn't have moved on from right. one of the most beloved players right. in team history. It, it, right. it tells you something yeah. about how good Gilligan is. 100%. And, you know, we, we always joke about it every year at training camp. The old, well, this will be a season-ending something. <laughs> Yeah, right. Who are they going to redshirt in camp this year? Right, yeah. right, right. You know what? Again, man, you know what? That's just another reason. You know, and it's going to be a day in time, B, where it's going to take a week to read Peyton era, man. When you think of all the things that he, the front office, how this team's been able to utilize every single thing at their disposal for their benefit. And it's not like, a, like, like you don't feel like the Patriots in a cheating way. You know what I'm saying? It's not like, hey, we're going to go, you know, videotape other practices. It's just things that are smart, converting bonuses and things of that nature, things that are just, that make sense. Hey, you got injured. You can't get cut and you can't get picked up if you're an IR, but I know we can't use you this year. I mean, I, that that's a smart thing to do. And, you know, it just kind of goes to it, though, man, where sometimes you hit and sometimes you don't. And, you know, so it's you and I, we, we sometimes cross-reference baseball because we're baseball fans, you know, your Mets and my Cubs. And in a sport where, what is it, Scott, you're considered a Hall of Famer, darn near, if three out of ten times you succeed, right? If you bat 300, you're like a really good player. I mean, it's so, you know, in, in the NFL, when it comes to drafting or talent evaluations, I I would love to one day sit with you and kind of what would you say would be a you know a percentage that is the norm or even successful when it comes to either the draft or even free agency acquisitions. I mean, 
you look at this year's draft class, last year as well, maybe some free agency pickups, throwing Gillikin as well. But, you know, Scott, like my defensive MVP was a Debo, and that's a draft pick. And the reason why is because it, it was all anyone talked about going into the season. And even though I thought he had a nice camp and he was starting out well, they still went out and traded for Bradley Roby, a veteran they thought was going to come in and compete to be a starter. He never started a game because Adebo was fine. And you mentioned on the show on Wednesday that, you know, I asked you, I said, did you have a single show really on a Monday where people blamed him and you blocked, you know, the Atlanta game, but the entire team didn't show up on that one. Um, but for a guy that, you know, didn't play football the season before, that's to me remarkable that that's in the story. Like, that's not even a question. Over the next couple of weeks or next week or next Friday, Scott, we start doing the evaluation process and where do we go? We're not even talking cornerback. Like, it's not even a question, right? You have depth there, but you can now say the Saints for the next four to five years have their number one and number two. Lattimore was actually probably my second um, in consideration because I think, Scott, he had his best year this year. Following a contract extension, I thought it was his best all-around year. He had a tie with the Debo in interceptions and the team lead with three, but it was the ancillary things, really, or the additional parts of his game that I thought stepped up. I mean, Sunday alone you saw it. That guy was people like Lattimore became a hitter this year and he, not only in the run game but if he gave up a reception that player went down I, I can close my eyes and think of four or five in the last couple of games where it's third and something somebody makes the catch he stopped before the line of scrimmage I mean before the first down mark so I, I, I thought he became a much better all-around player that consistency that people wanted from him where he stepped up not because he was playing a dreaded, you know, number one receiver from another team. It didn't matter, and he didn't take plays off. I thought I thought it was his best year all the way around. But to me, a Debo, to come in and do what that is, you essentially tell Dennis Allen all of a sudden, now I can go do things because I, I don't have to worry about it. I can play man. I can press. I can now – I got two guys I can lock down receivers. Now I can have and create havoc, like you said, Scott, with Demario and Quan and Werner, who's a draft pick. You know, I'd love to see what Turner could have gotten. But, I mean, this draft class and all those different things, man, there's so much to talk about with, with the positive this year. But my offensive, offensive MVP, I went with Callaway, like I told you on Wednesday, simply because I can almost make a case and argument. He could have been a 1,000-yard receiver. 698 yards, team eyeing touchdowns in six. Um, you can say, Gus, I know, but he dropped a ton of passes. He did, but if he didn't, he's a thousand yard guy. If he didn't have four quarterbacks, a thousand yard guy. He had an offensive line, he's probably a thousand yard guy. The last three games, you could argue, should have had a hundred yards. Um, he had 100 yards in one game, short another one, and then, you know, it was the Dolphins game where I think you and I could have quarterbacked better. So, I, you know, he, he, I thought he played better as the season went along, which I thought was a, a sign that he was starting to get it. And, again, you just wonder if you had a quarterback that consistently could read, could make diagnosis. I mean, there was so many, you know, the Dolphins game, man, where it's the almost interception to Alvin Kamara on the left side. If you look up on the top of the screen, Callaway has an out route. He's wide open for the first down, but Ian Book doesn't go there. He throws to the double team. So I think if you have gotten a quarterback worth a lick and salt, I, I think the guy could have helped you, which makes me feel confident that he's going to be a solid three. Like we always do on our show, Scott, at the end of the week, the first week after the season ends, we always put players on, ship them out of town. We give them an escort service to the airport, you know, and all that stuff. And like, if I had to choose and maybe I'm wrong, but I'm taking Callaway because I think the upside's more than Mark than, than Trey Quan Smith. And, and, and that's saying something to me. So I want Callaway in a Debo. All right, Gus Kangio, our Saints and Pelicans correspondent, talking a little Saints football. We'll get some playoff picks in a little bit and uh, and talk a little bit about the Pels. But before we do that, uh, this is ESPN Lafayette, now 103.3 on the FM, 1420 on the AM, and streaming worldwide via 
the ESPN Lafayette app. If you're listening via the stream, it's brought to you by Champagne's Market in the Oil Center. Champagne's going the extra mile. We're going to take a quick timeout. When we come back, who's going to be the back of the Saints? And um, not just going to say who or or why, but the timing of it all. I mean, people talk, focus a lot about about money, but what about timing? And could it work or not? We'll dig into that. As I mentioned, talk a little Pels. Coming up in the 8 o'clock hour, we'll talk about a uh, little UL hoops from last night. More on the NFL wildcard weekend and open phone lines. It's all coming your way. Don't go anywhere. This is the great Scott Show. We'll be right back right after this. All your trekkies and TV addicts. Don't mean to this, don't mean to bring static. All your Klingons in your grandma's house. Grab your back street friend to get loud. Bullet doors off inches. Yorkers. Welcome back into the great Scott show. Scott Prather, Gus Cattengill. It's the Pro Nola segment. Talking some Saints. We'll talk a little playoffs in a minute. College hoops in the 8 o'clock hour. Uh, open phone lines as well. Gus, the next quarterback for the Saints, I've, I've said it on this show. I've said it on your show. I say it to anyone who asks me. I think it's either going to be Russell Wilson or Jameis Winston. Now, why Russell Wilson? Well, there's it's no secret he wants out of Seattle. Uh, there were reports last year with his no-trade clause, which gives him the right trade basically gives them a, 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 a little freedom when it comes to a potential suitor, right? In one of the four teams listed were the New Orleans Saints. Uh, there was a lot of talk of it last offseason. Oh, what about his contract? You could immediately convert it into a signing bonus after you make the trade and have it good to go next year and be right there in the mix. Uh, if it's not if it's not Wilson, I think it's Winston again. What kind of deal? I don't think you're looking at a big long-term deal because he's got to come back from injury. But that's kind of the point I'm getting at here, Gus. Who's going to be the, the the Saints quarterback in 2022? Right now, they have two quarterbacks on their roster that are healthy, and neither are going to be the quarterback next year, and that's Ian Book and Blake Bortles. Um, Taysom Hill is going to have to go uh, undergo surgery. Um, Trevor Simeon's a free agent. Jameis Winston's a free agent, and he's recovering from surgery. So... You, you look at the other things the Saints have to do this offseason, right? Marcus Williams being, you know, something addressing the offensive line and, and a number of other things. Like, if, if free agency opens up or it's the draft or it's the trade and they still haven't figured out the Russell Wilson stuff, like, it's just uh, the, the timing of it all, right? I mean, the Saints get under the salary cap and then – the draft rolls around and then he's still out there. Like they need to have the plan in place now. And when the off season ends and then as soon as things are possible, I mean, I remember last year, Matt Stafford was traded well before he legally could be. It just, it was agreed upon. It didn't actually happen. It was just agreed upon. And then by the time the league year started, they made things happen. But you know, I, I think you're the, the draft picks used in a trade for Russell Wilson. So you got to have something in place before the draft. There's just there is a lot of 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 stuff at play here and I think at the end of the day it's the timing of it all that's going to decide who the next guy is. And I, there's a schism between Pete Carroll and Russell Wilson, right? And you know, Black Monday came and went. There was no talk, not even a whisper of maybe Seattle moving on from Pete Carroll. So he's going to be the head coach next year. Can they mend things, seeing Wilson? I, I, I think Wilson's getting traded. Will it be to the Saints? I just don't know because they've got a lot of things they have to do in regards to the cap, and they have to be, you know, kind of have some things in place in regards to this year's draft to do it. Having said that, I'm just rambling now. Let me throw it to you. Who will be the starting Saints quarterback in 2022, week one? I think if I had a betting bag of crackling, let's say it's right in front of me, I would say the more realistic, I think, starter would be Jameis Winston. Just because, like you said, 
so many other things are out of your hands and in play when it comes to us. I agree with you. I, I definitely think there's mutual interest, and I definitely think it would make a lot of sense. Um, and then I think you have to weigh and counterweigh um, some options, right? I mean, when you look at it, when you when you look at what Russell Wilson would be, it's okay. Well, what sort of compensation are you looking at, and you know, does it make sense if you're going to do draft picks? How many draft picks? Uh, if you're Seattle, you're probably starting with picks and a player, right? I mean, you're getting, you're taking my franchise player, my guy that sells tickets, all those different aspects of it. So you're probably going to have to give me somebody from that aspect of it. I probably start with Alvin Kamara, and once the Saints say no, then I probably move down the line to probably Michael Thomas. You know, but it's got to be somebody. And then that way at least I have two receivers and Metcalf and Thomas that can maybe dominate and I just go find me a quarterback if I'm Seattle. And that's even if, you know, they look at it from that perspective of where they're going. And, again, I think that's the thing that's going to be interesting to me is if you're Seattle, what is your reasoning behind it? Um, Because we've all seen, obviously, with any player, if you make some moves and you do – some things that make sense, then you're back in contention. You know, I mean, the Rams weren't overtly done, and, and you see that they have their flaws. The Cardinals started out hot, but you see that they didn't finish very strong. We'll see how they do in the playoffs. 49ers started off terrible, finished out stronger, but, you know, they maybe still have that deficiency at quarterback, even though Jimmy G did what he needed to do, you know, to beat the Rams. So uh, if I'm Seattle, do I throw my hands up and give up, right? I mean, go make a play for some people, make sure I have that guy, because as long as you have that guy, then you're still in, in con, you know, contention and things of that nature. So I just think, more importantly, you can't control all of the um, scenarios when it comes There's, you're to your, yeah, you're right. You can't. You got to try to get as control as many as you can because I I talk about timing. I'll I'll wrap this segment in terms of our discussion about the future quarterback with this. Worst case scenario is you you wait when free agency starts because you don't you don't have a a deal done. You kind of want to do a Russell Wilson trade, but you know what? You're not there yet. And then Jameis signs elsewhere early in the off season. And then the Saints are, oh, well, I guess we better put more eggs in the basket for Wilson only to find out that it doesn't work out. That's worst case scenario, because then what do you do? You know what I mean? Um, you know, uh, Taysom Hill uh, as the starter day one with with Ian Book and or Trevor Simeon as backups. That's not something the Saints ideally want to do next season. Uh, you know, you'd love to have Taysom on the team in, in, in the role that I think he's best suited for. Uh, as a backup quarterback and a starting Swiss Army knife, if you will. So with that, Gus, uh, ESPN Lafayette, give me your picks. Uh, Wild card weekend, we got two games tomorrow. We got three on Sunday. We got one on Monday night. I know a lot of Saints fans are are struggling to find anyone in the NFC uh, that they want to root for or believe in. It's teams that Saints fans don't uh, like very much, but... Let's start in the AFC with the first game. Las Vegas at Cincinnati. The Bengals have not won a playoff game since the 1990 season. It was January 6, uh, 1991. Sizen led the Bengals over the Houston Oilers. It has been a long time. Did they finally get off the schneid at Paul Brown Stadium? Did they get a win over the Raiders? I do. I think they do. I'm absolutely rooting for Cincinnati throughout the playoffs. I like to see how far they can sort of go. And the AFC is intriguing to me, Scott, because I think it legitimately can go either way, man. I uh, I kind of look at their, you know, all the different teams on there. And, man, if you get hot, why, I mean, why not? You know, I mean, in Buffalo losing to Jacksonville, I'm not saying that they can't, but KC did win eight straight, did look good early on. And that game against Cincinnati showed me that you can at least compete against them. So, you know, can you compete against them? Do you have a chance? And I think that the Raiders, one of the things that will be difficult, I think, is to come back, not come back, but kind of match that same effort and energy and emotion, playing for a playoff spot, coming back next week, going on the road, 
then having to do that again now look car again gives you an opportunity to go out there and win and it's really to me about turnover with the Bengals, the Bengals particularly Joe Burrow doesn't throw interceptions and can just play as close to mistake free football as possible I, I think they're the better team so I'm going Bengals I, uh, I'm, I'm leaning towards Cincinnati as well, but I, I said this yesterday. Of all six playoff games this weekend, if you told me that like I had to bet money on one of them, this is the one I would stay away from the most. I would not put any money yeah. on this because it's both of these teams are so up and down, so hot and cold. Now you know, and but they're but look, they're both playing good ball down the stretch. I mean, week eighteen, notwithstanding, because Cincinnati was was resting players, right? You look at what they did in the last quarter of the season, and they they won a lot and they played well. But you've seen them at times this year look like world beaters, and other times just get demolished. Cincinnati won at Vegas earlier this year by nineteen. Um, Joe Burrow lives for the big moment. He's great in the big moment. Uh, it's I'm I'm leaning toward the Bengals as well. I just I think when you and and anybody that's been to you know sporting events, whether it be a Saints game or whatever, using the Saints as an example, there is something about a shared emotional experience in a big crowd of people that it's kind of what makes live sporting events what they are, in my opinion. Like it's, it's, it's what, Oh, why would you do that when you can just sit home and have the best seat in the house on TV, that shared emotional experience in teams in all sports, they feed off of that. And, and, and they feed off of the energy regardless of what the energy is because it's been so long for Cincinnati if they're in a tight game late, do they start feeling the nerves of the crowd? And that leads us to our next game, Gus, because I think the same can be said for Buffalo and New England. Not because Buffalo, you know, Buffalo won a playoff game recently. Okay, I get it. It's it's not so much the playoffs as much as it is who they're playing, right? I think they would have preferred to play anyone else in the AFC. They won't say that, but the big brother that's beat you up more times than not over the last 20 years and that's who you have to play in the playoffs when you have Super Bowl aspirations and you were the darling team going into this season. Like, I like the Bills to win it um, because I just think I just think they're better. But boy, if this thing is tight late, I promise you that awesome fan base, the Bills Mafia. I guarantee you they are going to be feeling the nerves. I promise you that because it's one thing to lose in the playoffs. It's another to lose in the first round to the. Patriots with a rookie quarterback that just, oh yeah, you won the division this year. Guess what, Buffalo? It's not going to matter if you lose Saturday night to the Pats. I'm I'm picking the Bills. I don't know if it's just wishful thinking on my part, but I'm really interested, Gus, if this thing is close late, the impact of the crowd in this one, because like I said, that shared emotional experience, it is a real thing, more so in sports than probably anything else. You know what I always think along those lines, too, man? Playoff football is like playoff basketball. When you have elite players capable of making elite plays, have a chance to win them, right? I mean, I know that sounds like a madness, but I, Josh Allen and Mike Jones right now, they're great, right? I mean, I, I honestly think it comes down to that. I mean, Josh Allen has that ability, and... I, we've seen Matt Jones do it at times. Sometimes I've seen him too many drills, those decisions. But in the cold, in conditions like that, I think Armstrong really comes into factor. And Matt Jones is not in Josh Allen's ballpark. So I literally think because of that position, in that environment and what's on the line, I'm going Josh Allen in the books. All right, let's go to Sunday. The game I I think is got the least amount of buzz, which is weird considering Tom Brady's playing in it. But there's one noon game this weekend. And it, look, noon football on a Sunday, come on. I mean, that's that's where we've watched the majority of football in our entire life. I'm not knocking noon football. In fact, I like when the Saints play at noon on Sunday. It's ideal actually. But the the when you get to the first round of the playoffs in terms of just TV slots, it's the one that is going to typically draw the small, not simply because of, of when people tend to be in front of their TV in America. Now, it's my point is 
My point is this. Of all six playoff games, the networks and the NFL determine who is going to play when. Now, the West Coast teams that are hosting games, they couldn't do you couldn't you couldn't have the Rams at noon on Sunday. But other than that, you could you could have any other game, and that's the one that they picked, meaning they feel like Bengals, Raiders, Bills, Chiefs, excuse me, Bills, Pats, Chiefs, Steelers, Cowboys, Niners. They all believe that those games would be better, that there is more interest in those games. And I, I get it. Like, I, I don't uh, Tampa Bay is is not playing their best ball right now. They got a ton of injuries. Philly's nine and eight. It's I don't know, man. There's there's not a lot of buzz around this game. I think I don't think the Bucs are I think whoever wins this game is gonna lose in the next round. Um, but I think Tampa's going to win on Sunday because they're at home and I just I don't I don't believe in Philly. And Philly needs to run the ball to win and Tampa's, you know, number three in the NFL in run defense. So I'm 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 picking the Bucks in that one in a game that I really have very, you know very very little interest in. Where are you at with Bucks Eagles? <laughs> um, I'm with you, Levante David, Leonard Fournette coming off of IR, eligible to return this week. Um, that they're difference makers on that team. And the other thing to me is, I just think this team knows how to peak towards the end, man. And I don't like you buy the Eagles at all. Um, yeah, I just don't. I, and I can understand it, too, because, Scott, to your point, if the Eagles don't run that football, man, it, that, that could be an ugly game. I mean, I, I legitimately think so. They're not on a Bucks level. San, San Francisco and Dallas, uh, this is a really interesting game to me. Um, there's, there's undoubtedly a pressure on the Cowboys, one, because they're the Cowboys, two, Jerry Jones, three, Mike McCarthy. Can he actually get it done for the history of the two franchises? Um, San Francisco, they're, they, they, you know, they, their backs were against the wall. They got the win when they had to have it. Kyle Shanahan's great at, 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 at you know, putting together a game plan. Dallas, uh, you know, they, they want to throw the ball. San Francisco, somewhat vulnerable in the secondary, really good against the run. San Francisco, what did they do? They want to run the ball. Dallas's run defense, I think it's like 16th, right? Middle of the pack. Dallas would prefer if this game is an aerial type of game. San Francisco wants ball control, run the football, make it happen. Uh, this feels like one of those games, okay, just don't lose the turnover battle and you win the Cowboys. But if Dallas turns it over a couple times, San Francisco will run away with it. Dallas, if it's even or they win the turnover battle, the Cowboys are going to win it. The fact that, you know, San Francisco had to get out on the last day and they're going to Dallas, who's 12 and 5, and, you know, Dallas is only a three point favorite in this at home. I, 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 I like the Cowboys as the favorite. Um, I find this game, I, I think there are, you know, I think there's a little too many injuries or even players will probably play through injury for the Niners. That's the only reason I'm leaning a little bit more toward Dallas right now, but I'm thinking 27-24, something like that. What's your pick in this one? See, you said the Raiders, Bengals game is the one that you didn't want to bet on. They're, San Fran, Dallas is the one for me. I think this is the most intriguing matchup from this aspect of it, right? But Vegas and Cincy, I mean, both coaches in the playoffs first time. Both quarterbacks playing in the first time. Like, that's an expectation that I don't know what you're going to see. Here, yeah, seasoned coaches, seasoned quarterbacks. They, I, I'm calling this a disaster game. I mean, it's, to me, it's a beautiful disaster. You're tuning in to see which team implodes, um, makes the big mistake. It's going to get the Twitter followers left and right. I mean... I literally listened to national people this week say that the Cowboys lose, blow it up. <laughs> you know, earlier this week, earlier this month, the last month, Jerry Jones, Dak Prescott's in the slump. I mean, this is why this week I call him, he's convinced, Scott, that Sean Payton better get locked up. I accused him of working for a date. He's like having a panic attack on the phone that Sean Payton couldn't leave the Saints going to go to the Giants or Dallas to his work for. That's what you mean, both places where he got demoted or fired from, you know, his uh, position. And I said, look, in New York, that is the third head coach in the last six years, that's lasted two seasons or less. There's no direction, no leadership. It's a joke. Even when they won, that actually tried to tell you 
the Giants are this, you know, darling team that you're caring no. about stuff. But they're a disaster. I don't buy it. And with Dallas, as long as you've said it before as well, as long as the Jones has run that, dude. But can you imagine Gail Benson coming on your radio show? You know, you know, I love Jameis, but man, if he does, you know, that touchdown he threw in the end zone that he said, you know, God help them and all this. I mean, like, you can just imagine the owner commenting on a player. That's just another day at the office in, in <laughs> Big D. Yeah, yeah, not happening. And then, literally, like I said, this past week, Mike McCarthy keeping them from a Super Bowl. Really? They're a 12-win team. They lost one game in their last five or six or something, and every single morning, they're a disaster. And if you follow Grant Cohen, I highly suggest it. I've never met an individual who covers a team who despises the starting quarterback so much. When I say he hates Jimmy Garoppolo, oh that gosh. guy despises Jimmy Garoppolo. Jeez. I mean, it's, it's, by, it's by the play. It's by the play. So that game is a disaster game. Who is going to be the biggest disaster in that game? So if I had a pick... I am going to go Dallas because I trust Dak more, to be honest with you. Yep. Um, so I'm going Cowboys. All right. Uh, I'm thinking the same thing so far here. Uh, Pittsburgh, Kansas City, biggest spread of the week in KC, minus 12.5 at home. Ben Roethlisberger said we don't have a chance. He also said it sarcastically, um, and the media kind of took it and ran with it a different way. But um, the, the fact that the Steelers are even in the playoffs is something. But this is this is Chiefs all the way, right? I mean, is this even going to be a close game? I'm I I, I think Kansas City wins, and I don't think it's gonna, unless unless Mahomes throws a bunch of picks, which he did earlier in the season. Unless he throws a bunch of picks, they're, they're, the Chiefs are going to run away with this thing. Yeah, I mean, you're looking at a turnover laden game, even in a game against the Ravens that won last week. Man, Pittsburgh needed help, and. Like you said, man, like I was talking about when it comes to Allen and and, uh, and Mac Jones, I just, at the end of the day, I know Mahomes has struggled, but Mahomes is still Mahomes. And we still have a ton of weapons. Pittsburgh has a ton of injuries. Not playing with their receivers. Center, I think, last week. How healthy will they be this week? And at the end of the day, whatever was left in that tank for Ben, got to be running on fumes right now right so i think maybe to make it a bit interesting early or this one could be over with in the first quarter you know never know espn ESPN lafayette best ticket in sports i'm scott prather gus cattingale our guest pro nola segment and lastly monday night the cardinals and rams uh i guess slim pickings for espn not a surprise that that is the matchup um I'm taking Arizona here because the Cardinals have a they they have the best road record of any team in the league this year. Like oh if 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 the Cardinals had just beaten the Seahawks, they'd get to host this game. That's probably not a good thing for the Cardinals. Yeah, it might sound ridiculous. What are you talking about? They would have won the division. They'd be hosting the Rams instead of vice versa. When you're 3 and 5 at home and 8 and 1 on the road, uh, I, and you're going to play a game on the road that Matt Stafford described last week as one of the loudest, you know, environments when they had the ball late. It was a home game. Um, I think I think this is a good spot for the Cardinals. Honestly, I, I I don't know that either of these teams are playing their best ball right now, but Arizona likes to be on the road. I don't know what it is a stadium. I get that they have lost four or five coming into the game, and that's really bad. I get it. But uh, I'm whoever wins this one, they're going to lose next week. But I'm taking the cards over the Rams, and just looking at that home road, how they've been, the fact that you know they can get after the quarterback, and they're playing a team that struggles to protect the quarterback. I'll uh, I'll take the cards. I think the cards will upset the Rams, who uh, are a four point favorite in this one, Gus. So that's my underdog pick is the cards. So I, I told you San Fran Dallas is a disaster game for me. It's a referendum game for me. Okay. Cliff Kingsbury, second, second straight year, right? They started out hot, kind of fizzled toward the end. They got in this year. Um, 
both quarterbacks. Same thing. Are you good or are you just flashy at times? Like, are you an elite quarterback or are you just a good quarterback that at times can play well? And that's how I feel about Tyler Murray. Like, he does some things that separate him from other quarterbacks. There's no doubt. Credible arm. Athleticism. Makes plays. And there's other times where, you know, again, this team just fizzles out. Um, the Rams, goodness gracious, the last two years, I mean, they, they're like degenerate gamblers. I mean, they're not just going all in. They're throwing in the watch. Mm-hmm. They're throwing in the gift that your mm-hmm. wife gave you for Christmas. Yep. I mean, they're doing everything to win a Super Bowl. And the biggest chip they went and got was Matthew Stafford, who, you know, not being ugly. That guy choked. Stafford. I don't. I, I would not I mean, trust. I do not trust face. Matt Stafford in a big moment. I mean, yeah. he's done nothing in yeah. his career to make you think you should. I mean, oh well, he's had a bunch of comeback wins. Blah blah blah. How many of those were in must-win games, playoffs, or not? Right. It's one thing when you're on a Lions team and it's a game in the regular season, and you know you're you're not you're not going to the playoffs or it's early in the season. I'm talking about the big moments. I I don't trust Matt Stafford. I mean, this is if it's close. The Rams are going to lose. The only way they win Monday night is if they're they're running away with it. That's how I look at this game. Here's the other element no one's really touching on, too. It was easy to look at Matt Stafford not making plays in that game Sunday. Where was Aaron Donald? Aaron Donald didn't have a sack in that game. Like, this vaunted defense that we would be fearing if the Saints were playing this week, right? Like most of our shows this week would be like, Vaya Kundils, Hale if he was healthy, Trevor Simeon, good luck. Like, we're yeah. literally... Yeah, what, what's, what's Aaron Donald going to do to Cesar Ruiz? Sacks. Right, right, right. Yeah. Well, guess what? He had no sacks last week. Um, does he follow that up again this week? I think he plays better. But who's the better, more athletic quarterback? I know Garoppolo has some legs, but Kyler Murray can escape the pocket. Kyler Murray can almost nullify a bit, I think. And here's the other added element, man. It's one of the games other than Buffalo and New England. It's a division game, dude. They know each other. Yep. So, I mean, <laughs> you, you know everything about it. So, that makes me think it'll be tighter than not, like you said, Scott. And at the end of the day, a third and seven, fourth and three. Kyler Murray, I think, can get you that first snap. I think with his legs. Or scramble, buy some time, deliver a football. And and you know they split the season series and the road game one. The road team won both games. Um, it it uh, yeah. Well, that's that's our our look at. So you're you're leaning to the, so we're all we're we're going all the same here. So you're picking the cards as well. All the same, which means we're probably all wrong. Yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> bet the opposite, everybody. That's Gus Kangio. Uh We did not talk before this, and if we had, we probably would have been like, shoot. All right, well, you at least pick something different somewhere. Uh, before we let you run, man, Pels. I don't want to talk as much about last night's game against the Clips as just the state of the team right now. Um, uh, as as anybody that's listened to me a long time knows, the the emotions when it comes to the Pelicans are always up and down for me. There was a brief moment early in the season during a losing streak where I worried, I worried that there was some apathy creeping in, and that's the worst thing, right? Because I'm not apathetic about that team, but I began to worry, right? Oh, my God, they're off to another terrible start. Zion's never going to play. What's happening? Another third head coach in three years, blah, blah, blah. That's not the feeling right now, and that's not the feeling at the facility. And you're you're there. You cover the team. You know the guys that are at practice every day covering the team as well. There is a buy-in right now to Willie Green. Brandon Ingram's playing tremendous basketball. But this team right now, when you hear Josh Hart go on a podcast and say that that last year, you know, under Van Gundy, he he didn't use Van Gundy's name, but he said the situation was so bad that, you know, he grew to to, to dislike basketball for the first time in his life. That's that's bad. And he and he said he just loves it again. He's been reinvigorated. He loves playing for Willie Green. And Josh Hart's always been a guy that tells you exactly what's on his mind. You know what I mean? Uh, especially in like a podcast form. It's not like he's going to like sugarcoat anything. It's one thing for a little quick soundbite after game. It's another in sort of he's going to sit down with one of his friends and just talk. 
Uh, this team has bought into Willie Green, and it's been a long time since you know you, you've had that sort of consistency and I guess bond right between a head coach and, and and the entire team and you see it in the body language it feels like there's something building right now they're not going to win a playoff series this year or anything like that that's not what I'm saying but when you're the Pelicans you got to take you you've, you've got to get off the ground at some point with with some sustainability because anytime they've gotten off the ground a few years they come crashing back down you've got to have a good base and I think with Willie Green right now, that's what they have, right? They're getting off the ground, but they have a good base. Can they continue it? Can they keep it rolling? That uh, that's 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 why I'm optimistic about the state of the franchise right now, Gus. Where are you at with the Pels before we let you run? It's funny you say that Wednesday was kind of my, you know, when you I, I had you want to ask you about all the different phases and where you see them too, and. Thursday, going into that Clippers game, was the first half of the season by games, right? They're 41 in, 42 now. But I kind of just simply said, Scott, on Friday morning when I started, I mean, on a Friday show, is more of, there's going to be a reason to watch. Like, what's one statement above it? And I think they've given a reason to watch the rest of the season. And what I mean reason to watch, as in, you're at dinner, you know, game isn't on on TV in the bar you're asking for, right? You're at home, you're making an effort to put it on. You're following on Twitter. You're going to the game. I mean, that's been kind of a topic the last two weeks. Lack of attendance. But some of them are getting better in certain games. Obviously, the more marquee names. But, I legitimately think, judging by our calls, social media, how we talk about it, um, I have other hosts on on Wednesday as well when I go around the state to kind of get a feel of how the state is doing. And, you know, Sean Fox from Sports Talk 97.7 up in Monroe, he literally for weeks is like, I have no reason to watch. Like, why am I watching? No one's watching up here. There's no reason to watch. I'll just go to Twitter, 10 o'clock, on a game day, and find out how they blew it. That's not the case. You have, in the last two weeks, fans calling for a Herb Jones jersey to be available to buy. You have caller after caller in my show praising Willie Green. And for what it's worth, not saying that our callers, you're and mine, or you and I, at times, don't know what we're talking about, but, you know, former players and athletes probably have a different perspective. And to listen to Antonio Daniels and David Wesley this week alone, mention what Willie Green is doing, adjustment-wise, in-game adjustments, out of timeout plays, just com- com- connecting with the players, listening to Brandon Ingram. Was it last week, Scott, in one of the games, he, uh, he talked about after the game that, he walked up to Willie and said, hey, this game plan isn't working. That, you know, we have to do something different. And Willie changed it. But for a player to have, A, that sense, to be able to say, look, I'm on the court. I'm telling you it's not working. And then to have a coach put the ego aside and be like, hey, so what will work? And I think that's why you hear guys like Josh Hart say, I love playing for this guy. That's why I think you're seeing Brandon Ingram become more open Scott, like you, when you hear him after games, I don't think it's coincidence you hear the word work, my teammates. He hits that game winner three. If you read the list, Scott, he says, this is my city. Look, this is his team. Willie Green trusts him. Willie Green, after that game, back on Tuesday, um, said he trusts him. I think the players hear that publicly. It's just it's it's a reason to watch, Scott. It's a reason to watch. I don't know if they make the playoffs, but it's a reason to watch because they're they're starting to be a team that no matter who they play, and that week they lost three games to see three two and one in the West: the Jazz, the Suns, and the Warriors. But they were in the game every fourth quarter, and if you can do that, moving forward, it's a reason to watch. 
You're making sure that I'm tuning in. If I spend the money to go to the game, I'm entertained. Maybe we'll pull one out. And as Willie said after that game in Woods Day 1, with the Minnesota, if we just put ourselves in positions to maybe win one, maybe we win one. And I think if you're a fan right now, the way the season started, the way your number one pick overall is MIA, um, that's as good as you can ask for, to be honest with you. And that was pretty strong on Wednesday when you were on to where I think literally he's out of sight, out of mind. And I think <laughs> it's going to be very interesting to see how he reacclimates himself. But the more I think about it, Scott, the more I get, I guess, to a point where you're going to have to really sell me and how it's beneficial that your franchise player, quote-unquote, isn't on a bench with that guy that hit the game winner, you know, wasn't the first guy off the bench to congratulate him at midcourt, isn't on the bench in the huddle when they're talking about strategy. Yeah. Or coming he's to he's, re, he's rehabbing. I, I mean, you know, he just, as you stop. said, I mean, I, yeah. you said on this show, you though, rehab there's nothing. There's nothing that he could do right. He was just getting slammed wherever he was in New Orleans, which is okay, unfortunate. Well, but but Scott, I like I said, you'd have to sell it to me. You'd have to sell it to me because if you can't handle outside ancillary things, then that's a question mark. Yeah, it, it might not be that though. I mean, there's something. There's something but, happening medically that. Obviously, we don't know all the details. They do an update every few months. You know, I, I told you months ago, you, I, I mean, we're what, I think three weeks into the season at that point, and yeah. said, you think he's going to play this year? I said, no. Uh, so yeah. I've just kind of been expecting it. As Josh Hart said, we can't play like we're expecting him to come back at yeah. some point. If he does, yeah, awesome. But we we have to just gel and, and play with what we got right now, and it's working right now. So, uh, Gus, I'm going to let you run, man. You've been so generous with your time. We'll see how our picks do with the NFL this weekend. Uh, wish the Saints were playing in it, but they're not. But uh, the future's bright there. Always good talking some Pels with you as well, my friend. Uh, let's chat again next week. In the meantime, stay safe, and uh, I'll have to. Uh, I'll have to. You know what? I might have to wait till February to give you some cracklings because your wife's going to be like us. What happened to the New Year's resolution? I thought you were going to be eating healthier. <laughs> I hear you, man. It's always a pleasure, dude. And I think the playoffs will be fun. And I'm telling you. Reason to watch, you never know. If after the All Star game, this team makes a bit of a run to at least a tenth seed, right? You I mean, they're they're only what a game or two out right now, game so half, there's plenty yeah. of football, uh, basketball left. That is Gus Cagnell. Speaking of hoops, we're going to talk a little UL hoops next hour. What unfolded last night? Open up phone lines, talk more about the NFL playoffs, take a look inside the numbers. All of that and more coming your way right here on the Great Scott Show. This is ESPN Lafayette, the best ticket in sports. Just